So Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 20, it says, He, God, raised him, Christ, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, meaning Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things for the benefit of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What we just read answers the question that you might have, where is Jesus today? Where is Jesus today? And it says very clearly that he's seated, Jesus is seated at God's right hand. Now the right hand is important because the right hand side indicates a place of authority. Jesus has a position of authority. We need to keep that in mind. He's not just sitting somewhere in the room with God. He's at his right-hand side, a position of authority. Notice that Jesus' seat of authority is not, it doesn't say it's a, a little above. It doesn't say it's a wee bit above, a tiny bit above. It says that he is seated far above. It makes a clear distinction from where Jesus is seated relative to others. Another translation says his seat is infinitely superior, infinitely superior to that of others. And that distance between him, his seat, and others is immense. It's enormous. Far above. Far above. Far above. Who are these things and what are these things that he's above? And it says Jesus' seat is far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named. And so take, take a moment just, just to think about that. That's quite a list. That's quite a list of things. Almost exhaustive in how God has laid it out for us. We serve a God whose son is sitting on his right-hand side, and his son has complete and total authority. The devil would come to you and make you believe at times that Jesus' power is limited, that his strength can only go so far, that some of the needs you have or the desires you have or your requests of him may go unanswered because, quite frankly, he just doesn't have what it takes. That's what the devil would have you believe. But the Bible is clear that he is far above, seated far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named. Notice that it says he's seated above all. How much? All. It doesn't say he's seated above some. He's seated above a few. He can handle a few issues in life, but some others he's not so good at. No, no, no. It said he's seated above all. All, principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named. I love that last part because he said all principality, power, might, dominion. Come on, that's quite a list by itself. And in case you weren't convinced... In case you're thinking, well, maybe there's something that doesn't fit that category of might, dominion, power. He says, oh, by the way, if it can be named, he's over it. (laughs) Every name that is named, he's above that as well. We're not serving a Christ who is weak in any way. We're not serving a Christ whose ability is limited. We're not serving a Christ who has other so-called gods who are equal in ability to him. If you think back to the Old Testament times, you might recall some of those moments when some of these so-called prophets or 
uh, prophets of Baal, they would try to outdo the prophets of God. Or the astrologers and magicians in Pharaoh's court kept trying to one-up Moses. You remember that? God would take it up another level, another level, another level, until these, these people could no longer compete with the power of God. Moses threw his stick on the ground, and it turned into a snake. And so the other guys did the same thing. Come on, they did the exact same thing. Except Moses' snake, if you remember, went and consumed the other ones. Come on, God just showing off a little bit, saying, you've got some power. Okay, these guys down here, yeah, they got a little thing going for them. But what they do and their power, the power they possess is nothing, nothing compared to what I can do. Again, the devil would try to put fear on us, try to get us to believe that. The situation we're facing are way beyond God's ability, way beyond his capacity, beyond his pay grade. You can serve your little God, right? So he's going he's to always talk trash, talk down about your God. And if you don't know the word of God, then you might be susceptible to that kind of attack. But no, Jesus is, is above. How much above? Far above. Above what? All. All what? Principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that is named, right? So, so the Holy Spirit knows some people like to quibble about words, and so he put in there through Paul's writings, and every name that is named. I like that, because somebody might come along and say, well, it doesn't say this, every name that is named. And if that weren't enough, he goes on to say in verse number 22, right? He seals the deal in verse number 22. He, God, put all things under his feet. Under whose feet? Jesus' feet. And so he takes us along this journey describing the power and authority that Jesus possesses. He's above all, above all principalities of power, might, and dominion. Wow, that was quite a list. He goes on to say, and every name that is named. Why? Because somebody's thinking a little bit of doubt. And then somebody's still, maybe, maybe a few are still doubting. He said, oh, and by the way, he's put everything under his feet. And so he said, all principalities, powers, and he goes said, everything under his feet. And so we have that all, and we have that everything. Come on, God is including everything under the power and authority. It comes under the power and authority of Christ. And so that covers just about everything, doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It covers, it covers everything. God left nothing to chance. God left nothing. People are people. Are people. And people looking for loopholes all the time. But I think, I think the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, really nails this down. Doesn't, doesn't provide any loopholes here. Well, what about, no, under his feet. What about that? If you could name it, it's under his feet. Well, what about principality power, done. The point for you, then, is do not allow the devil to come along and try to talk you out of the authority that Christ possesses. And how that authority has actually been extended to you and me. That authority has been extended to you and me. Another question that he answers in this set of verses is, when does, when does Jesus' authority expire? So in this country, for instance, we elect a president. The president is in office for four years. If he gets reelected, he might have eight years. And then when his term of service is over, then he's on his way. Some people join the military two years, four years. They've committed their, their life to the cause for that period of time, but then when it's over, it's over. They have a limited shelf life. There's a, there's a life expectancy, and then it's over. So when does Christ's term of service end? When does his authority stop? 
And so he goes on and helps us with verse 21. Jesus' authority is not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Meaning it's for now, and it's for the future. It's for the present, and it's for the future. The message translation says it this way, his reign is not for the present time alone, but forever. So where is Christ? Seated at the right hand of God, a position of authority. Who is he in authority over? Principalities, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, everything's under his feet. For how long? Forever. Forever. The devil is an enemy of yours. He's an enemy of mine. And he attacks us with thoughts. He attacks us with doubt and unbelief. Sometimes those thoughts just come from without, and he just just chewing on you. Just blah, 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 blah. And so you have to be careful not to entertain those thoughts. Doubt and unbelief are things that he uses and uses well. And remember, the devil is well-versed in Scripture. In fact, I'd venture to guess that he knows Scripture better than most of us. He's read it and reread it. Why? Because he's, he's, he, the Bible says he's trying to show up and, and appear as an angel of light. He wants to masquerade as if he's actually saying the truth. And... Some of the best lies, they're actually wrapped in truth, but at the core, they're rotten. Remember when he came to Jesus, the Bible says, cast yourself down. Scripture says, throw yourself down, for he will send his angels to bear you up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And the Scripture doesn't say, and Jesus jumped. It said he responded back. Why? Because Jesus knew Scripture too. And Jesus knew the truth of it. And Jesus was able to combat the devil's tactics with the word of God. So when the devil is coming to you, and he surely will, to try to talk you out of the authority that's available through Christ, you need to get into Ephesians, turn in your Bible there again. If you've underlined it already, make sure, make sure you read it again. If you haven't underlined it, underline it. Make notes to yourself in your Bible. Over all, far above all, Far above all, far above all, far above all principality power, might and dominion, every name that is named, and he's put all things under his feet. So, Mr. Devil, you and I have nothing more to discuss. Clearly, the things you're telling me are lies. Clearly, the things you're telling me are meant to deceive me and destroy me. And you can have the devil be on his way. So what does this have to do with you and me? So, so what? Jesus has all this authority. Well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, looking at the first set of verses in Ephesians chapter 2. This is from the voice translation. It says, don't you remember how you used to just exist? Corpses, dead in life, buried by transgressions, wandering the course of this perverse world, you were the offspring of the prince of the power of air. Oh, how he owned you, just as he still controls those living in disobedience. I'm not talking about the outsiders alone. We're all guilty of falling headlong for the persuasive passions of this world. We all have had our fill of indulging the flesh and mind, obeying the impulses to follow perverse thoughts motivated by dark powers. As a result, our natural inclinations, not our supernatural inclinations, our natural inclinations led us to be children of God's wrath, just like everybody else. Verse 4, but God. Say, but God. But God, with the unfathomable riches, richness of his love and mercy, focused on us, united us with Christ, 
infused our lifeless souls with life, even though we were buried under mountains of sin, saved us by his grace, he raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly realms with our beloved Jesus, the anointed, the liberating king. He said, number one, that God, through his mercy, united us with Christ. Number two, he said he infused us with life. Whose life? The life of Christ, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we have in these set of verses, everything focuses on Jesus. We're united with Christ. We're infused with life because of Christ. We were saved by his grace. We were raised with him. Right? Christ was raised from the dead. We were raised with Christ. And number five, he, we were seated with, with him, with Christ. All these things focus and revolve around Jesus, but the last one is the one I want to tie into because that helps us understand the first set of verses in Ephesians. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He has ultimate authority, ultimate control. And we read in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're seated with him. Maybe you didn't hear me. We're seated with him. We're seated with him, which means that if we're with him and he's the seat of authority, uh-oh, that means we have that same authority given to us, extended to us through Christ. There's not an authority or a power that I can just manufacture or create all on my own. It's not something that I willed myself into. This is because of God who raised me and seated me. He raised me and he seated me in Christ. Now, because I'm seated in Christ, oh my goodness, come on. That means my life doesn't have to be one of defeat and discouragement. That I have to take everything the devil throws my way. I just have to take it on the chin, right? That's a worldly term, just take it on the chin. A few years back, the phrase, the school of hard knocks, and somebody turned that into a, a T-shirt. And I would see young people wear that proudly on display that they go to the school of hard knocks. Made them tough, made them hard. Made... Well, you know, sometimes you put in those positions where maybe you have to endure some difficulty, but the school of hard knocks is not a school I want to attend. But if I'm ever in a position where I might be faced with challenges, hard knocks, taking it on the chin, I want to know I have authority in any and all situations. I want to know that if Jesus is over all principalities and powers, that I'm over all principalities and powers. That if things are under his feet, they're under my feet. Now, some of you might be look, looking at me like, you know, what are you talking about? I can't, you're talking about Jesus being under his feet. Okay, let's, let's do this for you, help you out. The Bible says that we are the body of Christ. We're the what? Oh, well, hey, we're the body. He's the head. We're the body. Let's see. Where are the feet located? The body. The Bible says everything's under Jesus' feet, which is part of his body. Then we, as part of the body, all things are under our feet. I'm trying to preach you excited and happy here. Come on now. All things are under your feet. So when you wake up in the morning and there's a, something facing you, a challenge that's facing you, come on. All things have been put under our feet. We have authority over him, and so when he shows up, I'm not going to just take it on the chin. I'm not going to, oh, come on in, Mr. Devil. We don't have to let him in, but if he finds a way in, it doesn't mean you have no authority. Come on, take authority. In my home, I am the authority in my home. Don't come into my home uninvited. 
you will meet an unpleasant man. I don't know why you're in my home. I don't know why you came through my front door. You were uninvited. You're not unwelcome. There's a problem. And so when the devil shows up, we just have that same response. What are you doing here? You have no business in my home. And he can roar, and he can look ugly, and he can look mean, but we remember we have authority. Overall, principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, it's all under our feet. The bully is as tough as long as you let him be tough. The bully will bully as long as you allow him to bully. Now, what I'm going to say next, I'm not advocating as a response that you should have. It's just something that happened in my life, so I will share it with you. When I was, oh, 13 years of age, there were students in my school who were a year older than me. And I, I never remember this guy's first name. I just remember his last name was Jernigan. And, and I'd be walking to class, and every day when I walked by him, he would punch me in the arm. Now, I didn't grow up in that neighborhood, but I played sports with other kids who did grow up around this other boy. And they said, listen, just, you know, just, just hit him back one day. So after being tired of being hit every day, I decided I would, I would hit him back. So he hit me, and so I hit him back. After I picked myself up off the ground, <laughs> I had a massive headache. I went to class, uh, and my head was throbbing the whole, the whole time. But that's why I don't advocate those kind of things. But he never hit me again. Bullies will bully you as long as you let them bully you. Now, that was a natural thing, and that's why I'm trying to separate the two. Don't go, things, don't go into things natural with the devil. Come on. Because he'll just knock you out. <laughs> if you're trying to fight spiritual battles by natural means, he will knock you out. You better not take him on in your own strength, might, power, and ability. Because he's got more than you've got. So when you come to the devil, you come to him in the power, might, strength, and ability of Christ himself. You come with a name. Right? So he, Jesus, is over every name that is named. Why? Because his name is over every name. Right? We know scripture says at, at that name, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. There's something about that name. And God's given us that name. God's given the, us the authority in that name. And the authority that Jesus has seated at the right hand of God is also ours because we're seated with him, according to Ephesians chapter 2. And so we see that Jesus' position is infinitely superior to any conceivable command, authority, power, or control, and any name or title. No name and no power that could ever be used in this world or in the world to come is exempt from his rule. No name and no power that could ever be used in this world or in the next is exempt from his rule. No name and no power, now or ever, is exempt from his authority and rule. And so we stir our hearts. Nothing is too big for Christ. Nothing is more powerful than his name. Nothing is greater than the authority that's been granted to us because of what Christ has already accomplished on the cross. We have to go all the way back to Calvary and remember that Jesus gave the devil a whooping. The devil thought he had beat Christ. He was a fool thought he understood God's plan and purposes, and it was all part of the plan for Jesus to take the punishment for you and me. But then what did God do? Did God leave Christ in the grave to rot? No. He raised him to life, showing that Christ had power even over death. And the Bible says death, hell, and the grave. 
Well, who's the kingdom of hell? Satan himself. If Jesus has power over death, hell, and the grave, come on. He already defeated the devil a long time ago. What the devil's trying to get you and me to see or believe, not to see, but to believe, is that what happened back there didn't really happen or it didn't happen to the measure or extent that we think it did. That's why there's a lie perpetuated that, that Christ was never raised from the dead. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, the Bible even talks about that, then our faith is pretty lame. It says, you are of all men most miserable if Christ did not rise from the dead. Your faith is in vain. So the devil would have us believe that? Why? Because Jesus beat him up. <laughs> he took away the keys. He conquered death. He gave us victory. He overcame. God raised him from the dead. Jesus appeared to multitudes of people, and then he went to heaven. He sat down, and he's seated now at God's right-hand side. And we're seated with him in that same realm, far above, far above, far above. Come on, we just need to step back out from that for a second and think about that. Far above. If we're seated with him, we're far above, then we shouldn't be looking at problems like this. We should be looking at problems like this. Huh. That's it? We need to change our perspective. Right? The throne is above. And so if I'm sitting right on the right-hand side of the throne, I'm, I'm high. I'm looking down. I was with my grandson recently. I pick him up, put him on my shoulders, which makes him about seven feet tall. And I couldn't see him, of course, but I could hear him. Wow. You can see so much from up here. I can I can just imagine his face looking all over the place. There are advantages to being tall. And one of those places you have an advantage of being tall is being in a crowd. Because you can see where there people are and people aren't. <laughs> you can navigate really quickly because you can see openings. And come on, from God's perspective, far above, right? Jesus is far above all principalities and powers. We're seated with him. We should be looking around like this. Huh. Devil, devil tried to get me to believe there's no path out of here. It's right over there. Devil tried to get me to believe that I'm doomed, I'm, I'm, doomed, I'm destined to stay here the rest of my life. No, there, there's a path there, a path there. <gasps> Why? Because I have a different perspective. I have a different perspective when I'm seated with Christ. And so we see that everything is in place under his feet. That includes the devil. Since we are part of the body of Christ, all things are under our feet as well. It doesn't matter what type of problem comes against us. Physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, we can walk on top of every one of these situations. Come on, if he's under our feet, we can walk on top of every one of these situations. Come on, we can walk on top.